Thanks for tuning in to Dream City Omaha, where we're all about helping each other discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. We hope this message impacts your life, and be sure to like and subscribe for more. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Listen, I just want to, to clear the air. A couple of things that I've, I've noticed today. Uh, number one, Melissa using a fishing illustration. I don't know if that would be like the equivalent of me using a salon illustration or something like that, but it was just like, okay, I see you, Melissa. Uh, and then the second thing, I'm not excited for summer to end. Like, that's not, that's not, she's mischaracterizing my feelings towards fall. Uh, I just, I just appreciate that football starts this week. Let's go. And listen, I'm just like every other Nebraska fan. We're going to win nine games this year and everything's going to be amazing. Uh, if that's the case, thank you, Jesus. If that's not the case, then today's message is perfect for you. Um, but, uh, but it's good to be with you. Those of you that are joining us either for the first time or, or haven't been here with a while or maybe you're checking out the stream online and, and a friend shared a link. My name is Pastor John. Me and my wife, Angel, have the honor of serving as lead pastors here. And if you're wondering, what is this church about? Really, we're about helping you live the abundant life that Christ has, has paid for you to have. And that we, we do that by helping you, number one, discover Christ, because we have to know who he is. Number two, recover your identity, because we have to know who we are. And then number three, uncover your purpose. We have to know what we were created to do. And if we can know God and know who we are in him and know what we were created to do and live that out, that's what unlocks that abundant life that, that Christ has, has really paid for us to live. And so that's who we are and, and what we're about. And again, if you're new, just want to say thank you for being with us. We're going to continue our series entitled Refinance. We have been looking at different rewords this year because at the beginning of the year, God told us it was a re-year to come back to or to do again. That is what, it, that's what re means, to come back to, to do something again. Those things that maybe we, we let slip during quarantine, those things that maybe we forgot during the election, those things that as we've been going through these difficult seasons, we've let fall by the wayside, it's time for us to come back to some things. And so we've talked about refocus and reconnect and reintegrate and, and all of these other things. As we're talking about refinance, we have to understand that really what we're talking about is coming back to God's word as it pertains and relates to to our material wealth, to the things that God has blessed us with. May we not live according to the world and the world's standards, but may we re and come back to God's word and his standard in the area of our finances. So we've talked about how to have a healthy relationship with money. Because I think as Americans, so many of us statistically have such an unhealthy and at times toxic relationship with money. And when we're in toxic personal relationships, we're so quick to run or fix things or do things, and we, we recognize something has to change, because if this continues, I'm going to go crazy or I'm going to murder somebody. And so those toxic personal relationships, we are quick to change or, or quick to recognize, but then when it's a toxic relationship with our finances, we just continue moving in that same direction, to where statistically they say 78% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck with less than $1,000 in a savings account. And with all the economic uh, uncertainty and, and job insecurity and, and all of the things that are going on right now, like, like if that's you, no wonder you're stressed and anxious and worried and are freaking out right now because if I lose my job, I don't have enough to even cover two weeks worth of groceries. 
I have two teen- teenagers at home. Like, listen, I'm going to have to get a second job just to keep putting food on the table for these kids because everything they, 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 there's in the fridge, they think it's just fair game. All hours, all day, I'm going to put a lock on it. Angel made dinner the other night, and my 15-year-old, as soon as he, he clears his plate, he washes his plate, he puts his plate away, and I know what you're thinking, like, wow, they've got him trained. No, the dishwasher was just full, so he couldn't put it anywhere else. So he puts his plate away, and as soon as his plate is in the cupboard, he's at the fridge grabbing an apple. And he eats an apple. And he eats that apple and he throws that apple away. And, and as soon as that apple hits the bottom of the trash can, he's at the fridge and he's got his hand on another apple. And it's like, no, stop it. You literally just ate and then had your snack. You don't get second snacks after your second dinner of the night. Like, stop it. I don't even know where I'm going. Where am I right now? Healthy relationship with money, paycheck to paycheck. That's what we're talking about. Refinance. Come on. So many of us have an unhealthy, toxic relationship with money. And so that's where we were week one. For more on that, go back and watch that video. <laughs> Last week, we talked about the tithe and how that the tithe is, is something that we bring. It's not something that we give because we can't give something that isn't ours. Yeah. The tithe doesn't belong to us. The tithe belongs to God. Literally everything we have belongs to him. But when we're commanded to, to bring the tithe, we're never commanded to give it. And we give the tithe not to, or we bring the tithe not to invoke God's blessings, but in recognition of God's blessings. It's not a way to twist God's arm and say, well, God, you said no, but it's to say, God, you've done. And in response to everything that you've done and your goodness to me, I gladly bring you that which is, is due you. So last week we talked about tithing. Today, I want to talk about the, the, the secret to contentment and how do, we, how do we live lives of contentment? Because I think it's something that a lot of us struggle with, deal with it. And if we were really honest with ourselves, we would recognize that in our lives as well. I think there's something about the American dream that, that always causes us to look for more and want more and try to attain more and achieve more and, and, and grab more and have more and do more and be more. And, and listen, I'm not, I'm not here to negate hard work or, or, you know, what that leads to. And I'm, I'm not here to talk bad about any of that, but I do think that there is this something ingrained in us growing up in this country, or the reason maybe some of us immigrated to this country was this idea that I don't have to stay where I am, but I can have more, more opportunity and more this and more that. And that's great. And I'm all for that. But if that's our focus, then we will always be looking for more. We will always be wanting more. We will always be striving for more and trying to attain or, or achieve more. But then when we read God's word, I don't see this, this wanting of more, more, more. I see this desire to be less, less, less. Like John says, I must decrease so that he can increase. And I think for us as Americans, for us living in this country, I think if we're not careful, we can let this idea of pursuing the American dream and having the house and the car and the job and all of that overshadow this life of contentment and humility and peace that we are called to live in the gospel. And so, so I, I think it's important for us to look at contentment. Today we'll be in 1 Timothy and Philippians chapter 4. If you want to turn in your Bibles, if you don't have the, your, your Bibles, the Verses will be on the screens for you. But Paul writes to Timothy, and we read this verse as part of the first week of this series. But Paul writes and he says, we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, how many of you had breakfast this morning? Okay, 20% of you ate breakfast this morning. How many of you will go to lunch after this? Okay, 
Some of you are like really spiritual and fasting all day. And I applaud you for that because you didn't eat breakfast. You're not going to eat lunch. I don't know if you're going to eat dinner or not. We're all going we're all going to eat something today. How, how many of you will eat something today? Okay, some of you are still fasting. That's good. How many of you have clothes on right now? I can't speak for those of you watching watching at home. But everybody here at least is properly clothed. We have food, we have clothing. And and Paul says, "Listen, if we have food and we have clothing, we will be content with that." How many of you woke up today or will wake up this weekend like, as long as there is food on the table and clothes on my back, whether they were the same clothes I wore yesterday or not, I will be okay with that. Because that's what it means to be content. Contentment means to be satisfied with what one has. God, if, if I just have food and clothing and my basic needs are met, God, I will be satisfied. I will be content in that. Or do we look to what other people have and say, well, but I want that too. And I need that too. And I got to have that too. Paul writes, and and oftentimes we see Paul writing, and and contentment is something that Paul really talks a lot about. And and it would mean mean less if it came from somebody else, I think. You know, there there are people who have experiences that when they speak, it really means something. You know what I'm talking about? And Paul's one of those guys that when he talks about contentment, it's hard not to listen. Because yeah. here's a man who, who went through everything. Several weeks ago, we, we looked at the shipwreck that he experienced. And, and this man literally was shipwrecked on, on an island, bitten by a snake. This is a man who was stoned and left for dead. Literally, the townspeople stoned him. They thought he was dead. And they turned around and walked away. And Paul got up and left. Like that was the life that this man lived. And so when he's talking about contentment, like I've had it all and I've had nothing, he literally means it. And he writes to the the Philippian church. And it's an interesting letter because a lot of the letters that Paul writes, he writes in response to correction that is needed. Right? The, the, the Galatian church, you need correction here, so I need to write you and make sure you know what you're talking about. The Corinthian church, there's things that you guys are doing that are out of order, and I want to make sure that you guys are doing things correctly and, and in order. But, but to the, the church in Philippi, it wasn't a letter of correction. It wasn't like a, a parent sitting a kid down saying, we need to talk. It was, he was really writing them to say, I love you and thank you, and I'm proud of you, and you're doing a great job, and don't quit, don't stop, keep pressing on. But He gets to the end of his letter in in Philippians chapter four, verse 10. Here's what he says. He says, I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was really ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. So he writes to Timothy, he's talking about contentment. He writes to the Philippian church, he's talking about contentment. He, He says, I learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing. Or with everything, I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. I've learned how to to, to take whatever life throws at me and be good. How many of us can really say that? Like when the storms come, are we like, you know what? I've learned the secret. Whether it's COVID or Delta or Trump or Biden or whatever, whatever the world wants to throw at me, I've learned the secret to be satisfied and content and at peace in all things. Do we say that or do we get on social media and just start freaking out? 
Like our pets' heads are falling off, right? Like, like so many of us live that way. But Paul's writing, he says, listen, I've been there. I've literally done everything. I've seen everything. I've experienced everything. And I'm good. I was studying this and I, I started studying resiliency. And I'm like, man, like we need more resilient Christians. Like rubber bands that get stretched out, but then always come back to where they were. Stress balls that get squeezed. You can squeeze a stress ball as hard as you possibly can. But as soon as that pressure is released, it's good. It goes right back to where it was. When we get squeezed as, as Christians, can we say, you know what? It's good. And even if it's not good right now, it will be good. And even if it's not good in this life, I have a next life where I know it's going to be really good to look forward to. Like, is that our attitude or do we get so consumed with what's going on around us? I started studying resiliency and, and came across the most resilient animal I've ever studied. Have you ever studied camels? Camels. Incredible creatures. The way God made them is, is literally incredible. They can live... In, in anything from 120 degrees Fahrenheit to negative 30 degrees Fahrenheit and be fine. Like not just survive, like I'm going to make it a week and then after that, I don't know. But, but they can literally thrive in these environments. Could we say that about us? Like no matter what happens, we cannot just thrive or survive, but we can thrive in this life. Any environment on this earth, they can, they can, they can be in, they can, they can habitate in. They can go six months without a meal. Some of us can't go six minutes without a meal. Six months without eating anything. They can go three months without water and yet in 13 minutes completely rehydrate themselves. And you're like, wow, that sounds impressive. Yeah, but when you know that that means that they're drinking 30 gallons of water in 13 minutes, it's even more impressive. 30 gallons in 13 minutes, any other animal on this planet drank that much water, they would die because their blood would be diluted. But the way that God made them and, and created them, he created them for these long stretches of time without food, without water, and yet they're good. You know what's stored in the humps on a camel's back? It's not water. It's actually a myth. It's fat. No, those, those humps on the back of a camel is just a bunch of fat. Some of you are like, I can relate. But why fat? Why, why fat? Because in those six months where sometimes they have to go without a meal, what do you think their body uses for energy? All of that fat that is stored in, in their back. God created them to survive in anything, in, 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 in response to anything that this world would throw at them. Do you know who else he created that way? You. You. In my frailty, yes. Why? Because it's not about me, it's about God in me. And that's what Paul says in, in, in verse number 13. And it's one of the most misused, taken out of context verses. And I've told you that before, and I'll continue to tell that. But he says, because I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. The secret to contentment, the secret to being good, the secret to the highs and lows and staying right here in the middle is knowing that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We can be content and all things. We can be satisfied in all things. Are we living this life? Why do we have to talk about contentment, Pastor John? Because of what the opposite is. The opposite of contentment is discontentment. You guys are so smart. So bright. The opposite of contentment is discontentment. To be content means to be satisfied, to be at peace, 
To know that everything's good. To be, to be discontent leads to worry, which leads to stress, which leads to anxiety. And if you're a part of the reintegration series, you'll know that anxiety does not just reside in here. And anxiety does not just reside in here, but it literally affects every part of our being. So many diseases are traced back to anxiety and high levels of stress. You look at what it does to the central nervous system. Your, 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 your body has this fight or flight and it starts sending hormones to your brain, literally telling your brain, we are under attack right now. That's what anxiety is. That's what it's doing to your body. It is telling your body, we are being threatened. There is a real threat against us right now. So your heart starts racing and your hands start sweating. Why? To send more blood and oxygen to your brain so you can better make decisions in this time. And as that blood and oxygen races to your brain, your immune system gets a quick boost. And all of these things start happening. And, and if it's a, a life-threatening situation and in this moment, my adrenaline starts going and these hormones are released, it's good because that's the way that God designed me. But when I start worrying about outside things and there's prolonged levels of anxiety, my, my systems don't get to ever come back to normal. They stay up here. And when they stay up here, it leads to heart palpitations and heart disease and heart failure. And it leads to, to insomnia and depression. And it leads to racing thoughts and dizziness and headaches. And it leads to all of these things to where now my immune system, which is constantly running on overdrive because it thinks I'm always under attack, is now worn down to where a virus enters my body body, hello. Like regardless of where you stand on vaccine, no vaccine, if you're taking it, if you're not taking it, whatever you want to do, you do. But if you want to really protect yourself against COVID or Delta or whatever it's called next month, what you need to do is get the anxiety and stress out of your life and start learning to live a life of contentment. Because when we do that and our body can function the way it was intended, now I'm not saying, you know, there are, yes, helpful in medicine and doctors, and I'm thankful and all of that's Please don't miss, don't hear what I'm not saying. But if we want to protect ourselves the best way we can with everything in our arsenal, God, let me live a life of contentment so that my worry doesn't lead to stress and my stress doesn't lead to anxiety. But may I come back to the very beginning of it all and say, God, thank you. God, I'm satisfied in all things. I can be at peace in all things, it doesn't matter what happens. I know it's going to be okay. Okay, Pastor John, that sounds so foreign to me. Pastor John, that's not my life. Those are not my thoughts. That's not how I operate. There is, there's stress and anxiety and, and, and worry and all of these things. How do I live this life of contentment? What can I do that leads to contentment in my life? That's the question I want us to ask today. What can I do? What are those things that lead to contentment? And here's the first thing. What brings contentment when we have a heart of gratitude? What brings contentment into my life when I have a heart of gratitude? Saying, thank you, God, for all things. See, Paul says, I've learned the secret. I can be content. I've had it all and I've had nothing. I've been, I've been full and I've been starving. I've been on the, the highest of highs and I've walked through the lowest of lows and I can be content in all things. But before he even gets to that point, look at what he says in verse 10. I praise the Lord for you. I thank God for you. As I sit here, you know where Paul wrote this from? Prison. As I sit here in my prison cell, he didn't know it, but this was at the end of his life. He was about to be put to death in Rome. 
His life was about to come to an end and he's sitting in this prison cell and what is his attitude and his mindset and his heart's posture? You know what? Every time I think about you, I can't help but thank God for you. I'm so grateful for the relationship that we have and the time that we've got to spend together. It's this heart of gratitude that is thankful in all things and for all things that leads us to contentment. We have to have this heart of gratitude. What are you thankful for? Is that your, is that your attitude? I have four kids and those of you that are parents, you know, and those of you that have been parents for a long time, you know better than we do that there are, there are new levels of joys and there are new levels of stresses, challenges in every season of parenting. I have two teenagers. My oldest started high school this year and it's like, Jesus, <laughs> right? like, like help me. And, you know, it, it's, it's new joys. There are things that I can do with my 15-year-old that when he was three, we weren't having those conversations. We weren't doing those things, right? But now there's also these new pressures and these new conversations and these new like, oh my gosh, I'm freaking out right now. And I, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day and it's like, man, in this season, we, we wish for the problems of last season. Like I wish the stresses of having a teenager were the same as the stresses of having a three-year-old. And the same as the stresses and parents with three-year-olds said, I don't know. <laughs> no, listen, I wish that my, my biggest concern when my son went to high school is, did you take an extra change of clothes in case you poop up your back? <laughs> because when you have babies, like that's, that's right, Luke, Wendy? Like when, when you leave the house, it's, do I have an extra change of clothes? Because if little man poops up his back, I need to be ready for it. Maybe I didn't get the most sleep last night, but at the end of the day, like if we didn't, if we don't have poop on our walls, it was a good day. As a parent of a 15-year-old, like I wish that was my biggest concern at the, at the beginning and end of every day, but there are greater concerns. There are greater things happening. And, and one thing I've learned as a parent, and, and I've experienced this with my kids and with your kids, because every now and then I'll go walk around in those little kid rooms in the back just to kind of see who's parenting. No, I'm just kidding. I don't do that. <laughs> Who needs to be invited to the parenting class? No, I'm just kidding. But I'll go back there and, you know, just praying for the kids and walking through. And, and anytime you get a room full of little kids, you see this. There are, there are two types of kids. There's the kid who will take one toy and go sit and just play for hours. And he's good. He's having the time of his life. And then there's the other kid who you sit him down and you give him a toy and he's good for about five minutes. And at the end of that five minutes, he looks at what this kid's playing with and he gets up and he goes over and he smacks him in the head and he takes his toy. And then he sits down and he plays and he's good for about five minutes until he sees what they're playing with. And he gets up and he walks over and he smacks him in the head and he takes their toy. And now you have a room full of, of kids. Half of them are crying and half of them are sitting by themselves playing. This half is discontent. Why? Because I want the toy that he's playing with and this toy isn't good enough. And they're discontent because I don't even have a toy anymore. Meanwhile, the one kid sitting over there just having the time of his life with his one toy. And, and you watch this play out in, in rooms of kids, but then, like, as your pastor, I stand up here and I watch it play out in the lives of adults as well. Because there's two types of people, either the, the type of people who God comes in and blesses you, everything that you have, God has given, God is blessing you. And you take that and you sit down and it's like, God, thank you. Thank you for this job. 
that is stressing me out. Thank you for this boss that is challenging me and stretching me. God, thank you for these kids that are helping me grow and reflect more of your character. God, thank you for that experience because it helped my patience grow. God, thank you for all of the things that you've given me versus the person who God comes and blesses and it's like, okay, that's nice, but then tomorrow I want what you have. And I want that job and I want that car and I want that house and until I achieve, until I attain, until I have all of these things, I will never be content. So what do we do? We go through life taking and stealing and acquiring and achieving and climbing and stepping over people and doing everything that we can to get to this place that, that we think that when I have that, then I'll be good. No, because you'll just realize that it was never the stuff to begin with. It's what was going on in here. So it's not the bigger house, and it's not the newer car, and it's not the new job, and it's not the nicer boss, and it's not the, 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 the prettier girlfriend, and it's not all of these things that we think that's what will make me happy. No, because you will always be discontent if that is your attitude. But if you can be the one that when God comes and blesses you, you look at it and say, God, thank you. God, make me Make me grateful in all things. Help me to have a heart of gratitude, even when it's not the best. Even when it's not what I wish for. Even when it's not what I want. Even when it doesn't work out the way I want it to work out. God, thank you. Because even in this hard season, I'm not going through this in vain and for nothing, but God, there's something that you're doing on the inside of me. So God, thank you for the lessons that I'm learning and thank you for the experience and thank you for, for drawing me closer to you. God, thank you in all things. Is that, is that our attitude? I went golfing this week with Pastor Andre and a, and a guy in the church and, and we were out there and I love to golf. I play golf a lot. Pastor Andre likes golf, doesn't play golf as much as I do. And, and he'll, you know, he'll get out three, four times a year, but every time we get out, we have a good time. And so going out, like I knew we were going to have fun, um, but, but we were on this one hole and, and it just completely ate our lunch. I mean, there were sevens and nines written down on the scorecard and we were walking off the green, just feeling beat up. Like, I want to quit. Like, can I just throw my clubs in that lake right there? I don't throw my clubs. I haven't for three months. And so, so I, that's not me, but we were walking off the green and, and I looked at Andre like, dude, that was rough. And he's like, yeah. He goes, could have been worse. <laughs> and Angel would have been so proud of me because rather than smacking Andre in that moment, like, dude, what are you talking about? Because positivity is not a strength of mine. Rather than responding that way, I said, you know what? You're right. It could have been worse. And so for the rest of the round and the rest of the day, regardless of what happened, that was our thing. Like we would just look at each other and be like, well, it could have been worse. And at the end of the round, we, we got done and we shook hands and we had a good time. We said, it could have been worse. Why? Because we were constantly refocusing our minds from the bad shots and the bad times and the bad things that happened to the good shots and the good times. And the fact that, listen, I'm out on a golf course right now. I could be anywhere, but God, I'm healthy enough to golf and the weather's nice enough to golf. It was borderline, but, but God, we're, we're out here having a good time together. It could have been worse. And I'm not telling you to walk around every day like, well, my life could be worse. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> what I'm saying is in that moment and in that experience, that was our cue to redirect our attention and our focus. Like, yes, I hit some bad shots, but you know what? They could have been worse. Yeah, I missed some putts, but you know what? 
It could have been worse. And it was redirecting attention and focus. What is your cue going to be this week? That's my question. What is your cue? That was our cue in that moment. What is your cue? To remember God's goodness and God's God's faithfulness and be thankful for that. What is your cue to redirect your focus from what you don't have to what God has blessed you with? What is it going to be? Are you going to write something down on your mirror in your bathroom? Are you going to you're going to change the wallpaper on your phone to where the, the 120 times that you pick up your phone during the course of a day, some of you are like, 120? Yeah, I know. Every time you pick up your phone, be grateful. Heart of gratitude. Redirect your focus. What is that, what is that cue going to be for you today? But that's where it starts. It has to start with a heart of gratitude. What else? What, what brings contentment in my life? The second thing that brings contentment is when you know that God sees you. Some of you just need to hear that today. Some of you just need to leave this place knowing that God sees you. He knows where you're at. He's heard your cries. He's heard your prayers. His, his eyes are his, his mind and his heart and his, his, his whole being is attentive to you. He's like, I'm right here. What do you need? I see you. I've got you. It's okay. I know you're struggling. I know the state of your marriage. I know the state of your finances. I know the state of your relationships. I know what your kids are doing. I know what's happening at work. I know what your boss is telling you. I know all of these things. I know I see you. Some of you just need to know that. Hebrews chapter 13, Paul writes, and and, and look at what Paul says. He says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content. Here he is talking about contentment again. Be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Now, this is a passage of scripture that is often quoted. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. But how many of us knew that that was tied to contentment in material things? Like it's a great promise and we should stand on that promise. And yes, in all things, God will never leave you. In all things, God will never forsake you. But the context that Paul was was writing, the the author of Hebrews, the context that they were were writing in was, was talking about getting rid of the love of money. Stop idolizing money. Stop idolizing materialism. Stop looking to that to provide for you. It never will. Learn to be content in all things. Why? Because God said that he's never going to leave you and he's never going to forsake you. To forsake means to abandon or to leave helpless. God's promise is that he'll never leave you helpless. He'll never abandon you. He sees you. He sees you. He knows right where you're at. Mom, he's heard your cries at night. Husband, he's, he's, he's seen the pressure and the struggle that, that you're placing upon yourself. Young person, he knows the temptation. He sees you in that. He's with you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He's given you his spirit to empower you to live in these times. But he says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. There are times in my life where I can, I can look back and those are like life-defining moments, like life-defining encounters with God, like Jacob wrestling with the angel, like those moments that you will always look back to for the rest of your life, tell your kids about, tell your grandkids about. One of them, we, me and Angel had taken over the church for like three months into it. At this point, I'm just trying not to kill this thing. And just as long as people are still coming, I'm doing a good job, like three months. And it was at that time, a 
a larger church moved into the city with the same name as us, and it was like, what are we going to do? What does that mean? And I'm getting phone calls and all of this stuff and emails and questions and meetings and this and this. And it's like, God, like, really? Like, I did three months in, really? Like, this is when this is going to happen? And I remember, like, just, just praying and crying out to God, like, God, do you even, do you even know what's happening? Like, yeah, you spoke in the past, and and I'm thankful for that. And yes, I see you preparing us for this moment, and I'm thankful for that. But God, like, what about right now? What about today? Like, where are you today? What do you have to say today? And I'm like having this conversation in this moment with God. And all that God said to me in response, and all I heard him say in that moment was, I've got you. I've got you. And it was that moment that changed everything. Because I went to God asking, God, how am I going to pay for this? God, what obstacles are in the way? God, what are people going to think? God, God, what answers am I, do, do I not have? What questions am I not asking? God, God, all of these things that are playing in, out in my mind. And I go to God and all he says is, I've got you. And from that moment, I stood up and everything was different. Not that, not that the plan magically came to me in that moment. Not that as soon as I said amen, somebody called and said, I'd like to give you $150,000 to pay for the rebrand. That didn't happen. I wish it did. Not that, not that everything all of a sudden made sense, but the reason I was able to stand up with a new sense of resolve and commitment and know that no matter what comes, it's going to be okay is because my God saw me and he said, I've got you. I know where you're at. I know what you're going through and you're not going through it alone. You need to know you're not going through it alone. God's with you. He sees you. He knows he will provide at just the right time if you will not lose heart and keep your eyes focused on God. What brings contentment? The third thing, this is the last thing today. Third thing that brings contentment is when you know that God is your source. This is, this is something, some of you probably are hearing this, and you're like, I'm not even going to write that down, because I wrote that down in discipleship class last week, and I wrote that down 50 times in Unveiled, and I wrote that down in small group, and I wrote that down. Listen, if you're around Dream City for any period of time, this is something that you will get sick of hearing, and I'm glad you do, and I'll keep telling you until you live according to this. When you realize that God is your source in all things, when you understand this level of, of freedom and this, this level of, of intimacy with God, and when you've, when you've gotten to that point, it's like the biggest weight that has ever been lifted off of you. Like, wait, I don't, I don't have to make it happen. I just have to trust God. I don't have to produce. I don't have to earn his love. I don't have to be. I, I, I can simply rest in his presence and, and simply abide in real. Yes, that's what the Bible says. We get surprised when we, when we see the end of it, but we read about it all the time. I am the vine. You are the branches. No branch can bear fruit unless it remains in the vine. You will not be fruitful unless you remain in me. It's not the branches job to produce the fruit. It's the vine that produces the fruit. All the branch has to do is remain connected. All the branch has to do is is abide. Let me stay close to the vine because if I'm close to the vine, then I'll be fruitful. This is the fruit that the Holy Spirit will produce in your life. Who's producing the fruit? The Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. You don't have to produce that. 
Some of you are beating yourselves up because it's like, man, I'm trying to love and I just can't make myself love. You never will. I'm trying to have joy, but I just, I just can't do it. You never will. I'm trying to, to produce peace. You never will. You can't do that. Why? Because the branch can't produce the fruit. Only the, the vine produces the fruit. The branch just has to stay connected. God is your source in all things and of all things. You need joy, he's your source. You need peace, he's your source. You need patience, he's your source. Whatever you need. God, I need a miracle, a financial blessing. He's your source. You're not your source. Your boss isn't your source. Your job isn't your source. When you understand that God is your source of all things. That's what brings contentment. Why? Because it takes the focus off of me and off of others and puts it onto God. My boss is my, my, my source. He's my focus. How can I please my boss? How can I make my boss happy? How can, I, how, can I, how can I move up at work? How can I impress my boss? If you're your source, then your focus is on you. But when God is your source, you know where your focus is at? God, how can I please you today? God, how can I make you happy today? God, how can I reflect your character today? Because I know that if I reflect your character, no matter what comes at the end of the day, it will have been a good day. No matter what happens, if I just, if I just show your love to people around me, I will, I will have achieved my purpose in this day. God, what would you want me to do today? He's your source of all things. And that's what Paul says. He says, I, 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 love, I know the secret. I can be content in all things. I've had it all and I've had nothing. And here's the secret. I can do everything through my experience, through my wisdom, through the lessons that I've learned. Listen, I've been shipwrecked. So if I ever get there again, I can be content because I know that you start throwing the cargo overboard and then you cut off the lifeboats and then you, you, you drop the anchor. And, and I've been there a couple of times. And so I know how to do that. So I know if I face it again, my experience will lead me to this place of contentment, right? The wisdom that I've gained and the things that I've learned, the relationships that I've built, I can be content because of all of these things. No, he says, I can be content because it's, it's Christ in me. Because of him working in me, that's how I know that I can do all things. It's not because of me. and It's not because I know it or I've experienced it or I've, I've accumulated or I've attained or I've achieved or I have or I don't. The only reason I know that I can be good in all things is because I know that no matter what happens, I have God in me working in me, and it's his, his strength that, that strengthens me. God is, God is our source. He sees us. He will provide. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, says don't worry about what you're, you're going to eat. Look at the birds. Does God feed them? Yeah, God feeds them. Okay, how much more is God going to feed you? How much more will he take care of you? Verse 28, Matthew chapter 6. He says, look at the, look at the lilies of the valley. Go ahead. Why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't, they don't work. They don't make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, if God so meticulously created the camel to thrive in every environment, if God so, so, so wonderfully put them together with, with, with what they need, that no matter they face hot or cold or, or they, they, they're drinking 30 gallons of water, they've gone three months without water, no matter, no matter what situation they face, they're able to thrive. God's made you even more incredibly. You are his, his 
craftsmanship, his workmanship of, of all of his creation that he, he's made to be in relationship. You are the one that he created for relationship with him. And if God cared so much to give the camels what they needed, how much more did God care for you to give you what you needed? How much more will he provide for you? How much more will he care for you? Notice this is future tense. How much more will he do if you just look to him to be your source? Stop trying to produce it. Stop trying to manufacture it. Stop trying to do it on your own. Stop trying to work hard enough. Stop staying at the office till all hours of the night because that's not what it is. That's not your source. God is our source. And when we understand that God is our source, it leads me to this place of contentment because God, whatever you give me, I recognize that it's not for me. So who am I to be ungrateful for anything that's given? Who am I, who, who am I to, to look down my nose at a gift from you? We look, when, when God comes to bless us, we look like him, like, like we look at that ant at Christmas time. You knitted me another sweater. Thanks. No thanks. We re-gift it. How often do we how often do we re-gift God's blessings? God thanks, but no thanks. God thanks, but I'll give it to somebody else instead. God thanks, but that wasn't for me. You meant to give me something bigger, right? God thanks, but see Paul. Paul writes, he says, look, I've been through it all. I've seen it all. I've experienced it all. And I've learned that in all things, no matter what comes my way, I can be okay. Why? Because I can be content. How? Because I'm grateful in all things. Because I know that God sees me. And I know that he's my source. And when I take the pressure off of myself and I look to God to be that, it leads me to this place of peace that passes all understanding. That means that when I, when I shouldn't feel peace, somehow I still feel peace. And when the world is crashing all around me, I can stand up and say, you know what? I'll still be good. And even if it doesn't work out the way I want it to, it's still going to be okay. Come on, like Guy Germain in Mighty Ducks too. When the rooster's crowing and the cows are spinning circles in the pasture, <laughs> ducks fly together. You better play something to get me back. I need to reel them back in. I lost them. Come on, Luis. I lost them. Help me out, bro. Unmute him on the board. There we go. That's what Paul's saying. Listen, that's what Paul's saying. Saying I could be content in everything. I can be okay. I know it's going to be good. Why? Not because I'm good. Not because my circumstances are good. Not because the outlook is good. But because I know that my God is good. That's what leads me to this place of contentment. Amen. Stand with me this morning. We better get out of here. Listen, in, in, in just a moment, I'm going to pray for us and just, you know, I'm going to pray for you, pray for me, just that God would give us this heart of gratitude and lead us to this place of contentment. But 
As we talk about peace and stress and anxiety, and, and it's easy for us to connect those things to money because the number one source of stress and anxiety in this country is money. The number one stressor for Americans right now is money and has been historically. And there's a lot of things that we're facing. And so when we, when we think about stress and, and anxiety and worry and all of these things, it's easy for us to connect it to outside things. But, but here's what I want you to know, that we'll never find peace in our money until we find peace in him. We'll never find peace at work until we find peace in him. And if you're here today and you've never submitted your life to Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you've never given your, your heart to him and asked him to come in and change you from the inside out, you can strive for financial peace. You can work for peace in the workplace. You can, you can, you can try and manufacture peace in your relationships. But until you've surrendered and submitted your life to Christ and there is first peace in that area, there will not be peace in any other area. So if you're here today or you're watching online and you've never given your heart to the Lord, I wanna give you an opportunity. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not gonna, not gonna do anything. I, I just wanna pray with you right where you're at, just lead you in a very simple prayer of confession and recognition and acceptance of Christ. If you're here, you're watching online, we just invite you to pray this prayer with me. Church, would you help us to pray today? Just say, Jesus, thank you so much that you gave your life so I can find new life in you. And today I confess I am a sinner in need of a savior. Would you come and change me from the inside out? Lead me in your ways according to your word and to do your will from this day forward for the rest of my life. Give me a new heart and a new mind as you are the source of all things in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you today. God, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer. Whether it's the first time, 10th time, 100th time, we know that the angels are shooting confetti and there's a party going on in heaven right now because of the decision that they made. And God, we celebrate with them. We celebrate with them the greatest decision that they ever could have made. God, I pray that you would continue to lead them, guide them, draw them closer to you. Lead them into all of your ways. Holy Spirit, lead them into all truth. Lord, for the rest of us today, pray that you would create in us a heart of gratitude. Lord, as we seek to be content, as we seek to be at peace, Jesus, you said in Matthew 6, don't worry. Because who has added a day to their life by worrying? What, what can worry gain you? It, it's not going to get you anywhere. It's not going to give you anything. So don't worry. Lord, worry leads to stress. Stress leads to anxiety. But it all comes from a heart of discontent. Paul wrote and said that godliness with contentment was itself great wealth. God, that's the wealth that we want. Not the wealth of the, the world, but the wealth of your word the wealth of your promise. Lord, help us to be content, recognizing that first we must be, be, be positioned with a heart of gratitude, thankful in all things and for all things. Help us to leave this place knowing that no matter where we're going or what we're walking into, you see us, that you know you're never gonna leave us. You're never going to forsake us. May we step off the throne of our lives and may we, may we resign as the source for our lives and may, may God, we, may we put you back in that position. 
looking to you for all things, that you would fill our lives with hope, with love, with joy, with peace, with patience. God, as we remain in you, thank you that you bring the fruit and you bring the increase. God, whatever it is that that we have need of today, God, for those with a financial need, I pray for financial blessing. God, for those with relational needs, I I pray relational blessing. God, for those that that need a a job, I pray that you would open the doors where where maybe those doors had been closed before. God, I pray that, that as we follow you and as we walk with you and as we're in relationship with you, I thank you that the steps of the righteous are ordered by you. So God, help us to walk in the steps that you have already ordained for us to walk in. Whatever needs are represented here today, I'm thankful and we worship you and we praise you because you are the source for every answer, every longing of our heart, every question that we have, any need that needs to be met, God, you and you alone are the source of all things. We thank you and we love you. Go with us this week. Help us to be accurate reflections of your character in our world. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. Hey, listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, some of our prayer team is down here. We'd love to celebrate with you and tell you what the next steps are for you in your journey. If you have a need you want somebody to pray with, uh, with you about, we'd love to minister to you in that way. If not, be blessed, be dismissed. Have a great week. Go Huskers. At Dream City Omaha, we're all about helping each other do three things. Discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. Please check out our past sermon series or online discipleship classes. And don't forget to hit subscribe and the bell for notifications on all of our latest videos.